Hey, let's give God some praise and thank the Lord for Minister Danny leading us in worship. We're so excited um, about his, you know, him, his gifts, his faithfulness, and also just the opportunity that we're going to have once we get started uh, in our facility to um, bring the worship team back together and begin to uh, develop our worship band and, and see different mixes of gifting and talents. And if that's something that you're interested in and you're one of those people that's connected with us, um, please, please just reach out to the church and we'll uh, let you know what the steps are, what it is, what it takes to be a part of um, the worship team, the worship band, uh, whether you're a poet uh, rapper like we are, singer, um, you play an instrument. If you want to be a part of what we're doing and you want to reach out to your community, you want to use your talents because you love the Lord, let us know and uh, reach out to us via Facebook, Instagram, however, and we'll get in touch with you and we'll start the conversation. All right. Um, once again, I want to thank those of you that are here with us today, those of you that are giving. Um, the information to give is scrolling across the screen. You can do it through Cash App or use the in, um uh, the regular website uh, donation link. Um, you can be old school to mail a check. <laughs> However it is that you want to do it, um, we want to thank every single one of you that uh, sows into our ministry, making sure that we have the opportunity in 2021 to be the best, the best possible, most faithful, most impactful ministry that we can be. Uh, and so I want to go ahead and jump into the word. This year's theme if you know me, every year I pray and I fast and I prepare and God delivers a single word. Sometimes it's two words, but a single word or phrase that is going to be our focus for the year. And this one has been something that's been on my mind for years. Like, I believe that I'm supposed to preach a year on this subject, but I just didn't know what year it was going to be until uh, this fall. And the Lord made it clear that the subject that he wants focused on for 2021 is love. The subject that he wants us to focus on for 2021 is love. And so we're going to start there. Um, this series we're, I'm preaching, uh, starting today, actually, uh, is called God is Love. It's not super catchy, <laughs> but uh, it is the word. It is the Bible. And so um, God is Love is today's, uh, the, the beginning with today's series. And so I want to make sure that we go ahead and get right into it. So let's do that. Let's get into the word. Let's go to the book of Daniel. You got your Bible, you pull it out. Also, of course, if you're watching this online, then you're going to see the scripture scrolling across the bottom anyway. Uh, but Daniel chapter three. Daniel is one of the books of the prophets, uh, major prophet. Uh, you know, it's if you the Bible, uh, the prophets are kind of divided into major prophets and minor prophets in their description. And some the major prophets are the larger prophetic books and the minor ones are like two, three chapters, five chapters, much smaller. And so Daniel comes after Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, um, Ezekiel, then Daniel. Uh, Daniel chapter three, we're going to read verses one through 18 in the NIV. Daniel chapter three, verses one through 18 in the NIV. So bear with me. <clears throat> King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold. 60 cubits high and six cubits wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image that he had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. 
and they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and people of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will be will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshiped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, may the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, Zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold. And that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. All right, that's a lot, it's a mouthful, but that's Daniel chapter three, verse one through 18. We're gonna skip to the end of the Bible, not the not quite the end, right before Revelation. First uh, John, the book of First John, written by the apostle John, um, chapter four, we're gonna read one verse today, verse 18. And here it goes. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. All right, family. Today's message is entitled No Fear in Love. No Fear in Love. Let's pray. Lord God, I want to thank you and praise you for this day, this brand new year, uh, this opportunity, this first Sunday where we're coming together ready to worship you, praise you and hear your word. I pray, Lord, that you would speak clearly and prophetically, Lord, into our hearts, our minds and our spirit. I pray that the word you prepared is one that we will receive and, and digest and walk out with it and live it, Lord, that we won't just hear a word and be bystanders of God's move, but we'll be walking and talking and living the life that you called us to. Lord, let this word spur us forward. Let this word inspire us. Let this whole service be something that comes together to lead us and guide us closer and closer to your truth. 
Lord, let us come together here for a moment in the move of God. We just glorify you right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Happy New Year. I said it before. I'm saying it again. Happy New Year. New Year. New me. New you. Um, that's the question, is it? I mean, first of all, I want to say goodbye 2020. You were a hell of a year. Literally, we went through hell in 2020 in so many ways, but I don't want to take the moment and look back. I want to look ahead because I know that 2021 will be different and I know that 2021 will bring different. But the question is for me and the question is for you is, will I be different? If you're somebody like I'm somebody, then you have tried your hand at New Year's resolutions. You've tried your hand at fasting and praying. You've tried your hand at being delivered or healed or 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 coming into the new year with something. You stayed at church for New Year's Eve and shouted and danced the night away, believing that God was going to do something new in the new year and in you and through you that had never been done before. And it was going to be a year like no other. I've been there. I've felt that. I've experienced that. I've seen God move. I've seen God change. I've seen me write down goals for him to make happen because it's beyond me. And I've prayed over those things at the beginning of the year. And I've seen God move and make things happen, uh, meeting me at the level of my expectation, level of my faith. And I've also seen that things that I wanted to do never got done. Things I wanted to accomplish never got accomplished. And, and so 2020, uh, being at home for months at a time uh, and more often than I had ever been at home, honestly, it gave me more time with God. And in that time, he showed me me. He showed me. And I don't know about you. Did he show you something in 2020? Did God show you something in 2020 that he that you hadn't seen before or that you hadn't been clear about? Because he showed me in 2020 in a way that I had not yet received, heard. Yes, maybe. But received. He showed me me. He showed me that he wanted to do more in me and in my life. And he showed me that he wanted to do more through me and through my life. And I don't know about you, but I love God. And so since I love God, of course, I want him to do more in me. I want him to do more through me. I want his name to be made great. I want people to see my life and look and see my life and, and give glory to God and, and praise God and big up God and shout out the Lord because of what they see happen in me and through me. But the truth is, it doesn't always happen. Anybody else, you got good and godly intentions, but it doesn't always play out that way. Can I get a hand, an amen or something? Whether you're joining us from Jacksonville or back home in North Carolina or you're way out west on the West Coast. So I, 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 do you understand where I'm coming from? That you want God to move in you, but it doesn't always happen. Uh, you know, I'll start strong in some areas. You know, my, my, my diet, my nutrition, working out, Bible reading, whatever. Um, but then there, there's other areas where you just completely false start. Like you'll say it, you'll even tell somebody, but then you never get any traction on that goal. You, you never get any traction on allowing God to use you in that way. And so what God confronted me with was that these things were happening more often than I would actually like to admit. 
And I don't know about you, but sometimes that can be humbling in a way that you don't want to be humbled and you're not ready to hear. But this year, you know what? I was ready to hear. Um, maybe it was the extra time, uh, but I had to answer for myself. Like, why is this always happen? Why does it always happen? And so the Lord gave me an answer. That's not a new answer. It's not a new answer for me. It's not a new answer for you, but it's the truth. And it is that insecurities caused by fear lead to failure and not just failure, failure to launch in some cases, failure to follow through and failure to launch. It's the insecurities. It's insecurities in me caused by fears that, you know, you have not yet acknowledged. We have not yet uh, dealt with. There's so many little ones um, that hinder what we would like to do and honestly hinder what God would like to do in us. And you're thinking, well, is fear really that big of a deal? I'm big, bad man. You know, I'm a powerful black woman or whatever. Yeah, fear is really that big of a deal. Uh, but often we don't know it. And it can hide itself really well. Fear can. Uh, it can hide itself well, you know, in, even within our own minds and the way we think about it with different things. And I got three A's, really three A's right here. Um of ways that not ways that uh, fear, insecurity hide themselves in. There, there's anger and apathy. That's two of them. Anger and apathy. Fear can hide itself in our anger and in our apathy. And fear can hide itself in the way we adjust our plans. The way we adjust our plans. And so when I think about anger and apathy, uh, I think about the way I, uh, I've lived in my own life and the way I've lived and function as an educator. And I can see that both anger and apathy can be used to cover up things, to cover up our fear of failure, to cover up our fear of rejection, to cover up our fear of judgment, our fear of having our feelings hurt. Uh, anger absolutely is something that men use regularly to cover up our fear of having our feelings hurt or being exposed for having feelings that are hurt. Uh, you know, one of my favorite things to do, uh, not favorite, it was, you know, when I was teaching early is pointing out to these, you know, the hard dudes, helping them recognize that you can't get angry unless your feelings are hurt. And so you over here preemptively getting mad, preemptively getting aggressive, preemptively, preemptively before the situation has even really got there, demonstrating anger so you don't get wounded because you're scared of your own feelings. You're scared to deal with. And so uh, we've all been there. We've all been afraid of something. And so anger is one of the ways that we we hide or shield from fear. Apathy is another one. I, I, going back to my experience with education, there are kids that acted like they didn't care about their academic progress to hide or cover up their fear of failure, their fear of being rejected by their peers if they demonstrate that they care too much. Um, you know, you could get mocked back in the day. Uh, you know, you could get mocked for having books. Like you could get mocked for actually caring and studying. Like people would mock you. You know, uh, because you are demonstrating care and vulnerability and desire. And so there are people that really just act aloof. Uh, you know, they act like they don't really care, but that's hiding their fear and insecurity. And so even in their own mind, they think it's that they don't care. But really what it is, is fear. And even in the way we adjust our plans and priorities, there is fear there because what we do is we use the ability to adjust our plans and priorities, what we said we were going to do, what we decided we actually ended up doing. Um, 
to cover up our fears of inadequacy. Like maybe we don't deserve the, the chance or the promotion or the opportunity or uncertainty. Like we don't know how this is gonna turn out. So instead of putting my all into this, like I said I was gonna do, I'm gonna kind of split my energy and give this some hours and give this some hours. You know, we, we fear change. Like if I succeed and if I actually show I can do it, what is gonna happen? How are people gonna treat me? If I, I mean, I don't really like change. Like I want God to use me, but I really wanna still be a heathen. Like I really want to be out in the streets, you know, and so if I show that God can use me, then people are going to expect him and then I'm going to have to change for real. Amen. You ever dealt with that? Like you're afraid. And so you adjust what you were going to do. You don't go to church as much. You don't give as much because you're afraid that once you start, change will come and you won't be able to control it. That's another thing. We adjust our plans to keep ourselves in a certain routine or rhythm because we're afraid of losing the control. And I got a word for you. And that is that you cannot and I cannot receive everything God has for us in this life. If we don't cede control, we don't submit control to him. We can't, we have to give up the fear of what it, life is like when we're not in control because the truth is we are always under the control of spiritual influence. It's just one or the other, all right? And so I just want us to clearly understand that the power of fear is real. But God wants us to know the truth. And the truth is that it's love that truly defeats the power of fear. It's love. L-O-V-E, love. You're thinking it's my confidence, it's my power. Well, where does that stuff even come from? Love. I feel, you know, self-esteem and I believe in me. Well, where does that come from? It comes from love. It comes from love. And so the truth is that it's love that truly defeats the power of fear. Love is the answer. In fact, the love that's being mentioned all through 1 John chapter 4, which we'll be covering in this series, is all derived from the Greek term agape. It's not love like, yo, that's my boy. You know that? It's not. It's, that's Philadelphia. Brotherhood, that's Philadelphia. Um, or filio, that familial type love. It's not. It's not that. It's not, oh, girl, you look mm, so good. Can we, you know, oh, God, I can't even body. Can I body roll on in church? Anyway, um, it's not that eros love, that, that love is based on attraction and erotic desire. It's not that. It's agape love is benevolent affection. I got affection for you. I care about you. And because I care about you, I actually want the best for you. My love is in your interest, in your best interest. So my love, my agape love is in the best interest. I love and care for and I have affection for and want to see the best for my Lord, the best outcomes for God and the best outcomes for you. That's agape love. And that's the love that is being discussed in 1 John chapter 4. It's all through the chapter. And so we're, it focuses on it and we're going to focus on it as we start and we deal with this series, this God is Love series. But today we're just going to focus on verse 18. Okay. Amen. Say amen. Whew. Sweating tonight. All right. So what happens when, you know, you turn the AC off but it's hot. <laughs> like You switched over the heat because it was cold and now it's hot. And so the lights, it's even hotter. So y'all forgive me for sweating all over the camera, whatever. Um, today we're focusing on verse 18. Uh, and I want to break it, break it down. It's really four parts of verse 18 that I want to kind of throw out there to help us understand the power that love has over fear. 
and the and, and understand the truth that there's no fear in agape. There's no fear in agape. There may be some fear in Eros. There may be some fear in Philadelphia, Philio, but there's no fear in agape. And excuse me. So focusing here, I'm going to read each part and then break it down. So verse 18, there is no fear in love. It's pretty simple. There's no fear in love. Well, what do you mean? There's no insecurity present when love is in control. There is no insecurity. There is no fear present when love is allowed to rule, not visit, not be a part of the equation. But when benevolent affection is at the root of my action, there's no room for fear because what I'm really thinking about is what's best for those that I'm in contact with, not just me. And so I'm not worried about my feelings. I'm, I'm not concerned about my insecurities. I'm not concerned about what might be said about me. What I'm concerned about is, are you good? God, are you good? You pleased with this course of action? Benevolent affection. And so there's no fear. There's no fear in agape. There is no fear in agape. But perfect agape, perfect love drives out fear. That's the second, the second point. There's no fear in love, but perfect. So there's no fear in love. Perfect love, not flawless love. Perfect, complete, matured love. Complete and matured agape drives out fear. And so if I have confidence in my relationship with God, I have confidence in the relationship I have between those and other people, the people that I choose to serve and, and benefit. If I have confidence in that relationship, or if I have confidence in the situation that I'm placed in because God put me there and I'm able to represent him and represent others well, if I've got confidence in the relationship or confidence in my situation, then it weakens the hold of fear. Fear can't do anything with me. Fear doesn't have power. Fear has got to get up out of here because I'm full of confidence in who God has said I am, who God made me to be, because God is love and whatever he said about me, that's who I am. He said, I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven. He said, I'm glorified, I'm glorified. He said, I'm chosen, I'm chosen. He said, I'm justified, I'm justified. And so when I'm full of his love and sharing his love, then there is no room for the enemy. There's no room for that fear to affect my judgment. Amen. Amen. Love drives out fear. Well, why? How? If I look at that next phrase in verse 18, it's because, like perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. Fear has to do with punishment. Fear has to do with punishment. When you're a little kid or even sometimes a grown man, uh, I, I, you can, I can, um, have some fear because we know we didn't do, we didn't handle the situation in the best way. We didn't handle the situation in the love or with the love that we should have had, um, in the obedience of the word or in the obedience of the wishes of our supervisor or relationship. Uh, we, we have some fear there because we're afraid of the penalty. Fear deals with penalty. And so in the big picture, we're talking about divine judgment where people, uh, where our sins will be judged and every word that we say we'll have to take account for and we'll have to stand before Jesus with all the time and energy and money that we accumulated, all the relational capital we had, all the ability and influence that we had. And we're going to have to answer for how did we use this for the Lord? Woo. If I'm not made perfect in love, if I'm not if I'm not mature in my love, my agape, then I'm going to be made nervous by the fact that I'm going to be judged. 
because I know that based on my based on my decision making and my insecurities, I have not lived up to my calling in Christ. I have not lived up to the crown that's been placed on me. I have not lived up to being a co-heir in Christ. I have not lived up. And so when I leave room that love for that agape not to rule, then insecurity has to take up that space. Fear has to take up that space because I have to be conscious that there is consequence for my actions, divine and natural. And so it could, it may not be that you're worried about God's overarching judgment. Um, it could be that you're afraid because you're, you've made decisions based in selfishness rather than selflessness and agape is selfless, is benevolent, it benefits. The focus is the benefit of others. And so if your focus is the benefit of you, then yeah, you've got reason and room for insecurity and fear to creep up. The last piece here, before I have to, before I have to go back to our Daniel text, is uh, the one who fears is not made perfect in love. And so... All the things, the fear, the anger, the apathy, the adjustment of plans that are all motivated by our insecurities and our fears, all of that is a sign of imperfection, immaturity, underdeveloped agape. We must be made mature. You can't mature you. You must be perfected. So what you do, what we do is we submit to the maturation process. We submit to the perfection process as the as we're molded potter and clay. We submit to the process. So fear is a sign of imperfection in our love and the maturity in our agape. But the Lord has sent Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us into all truth to make us mature, to perfect us in love, to overcome our fears. There's no fear in love. What we really need, though, I think what will really take this home is an example of this kind of fearless love in action. And fortunately, it's Daniel chapter three, where we started, that provides this example. Y'all still with me? Say amen. Y'all ready for this example? Say amen. <laughs> All right. Daniel chapter three. It shows the power of being perfected in love. It does. I promise. Want to hear it? Here you go. All right. Daniel chapter three. Daniel chapter three. So there are three challenges that I see manifest here in this text. And so I'm not going to read word for word everything, but I'm going to skim uh, summarize. I want to take us there. So the first challenge we see show up here is society's challenge. Society's challenge. Society's challenge. So if you look at verses one through seven, you see that King Nebuchadnezzar makes an idol. He sets it up. He summons everybody and basically and dedicates this and says that whenever the music comes on, everybody's got to drop down and worship. Drop down and get your worship on. Right. Uh, and so. That's verses one through seven, that everybody, that society, society is uh, lifting up this false God and everybody is commanded to kind of just get in and fit in. And so society's challenge for us is, do we fit in or do we focus on God? 
Do we fit in or do we focus on God? That's the love challenge. Like if we're not made perfect in agape, then we'll tend to kind of fit in. We won't give our tithe and offering. We'll kind of fit in with the world's manipulation of money. We won't submit to accountability and relationship spiritually. We won't honor our pastors and other people of God that God has placed in our lives. We'll kind of let, you know, we'll only be accountable to the people we want to, the people that we know are going to agree with us. We won't really humble ourselves in relationship with our spouses, um, our significant others. We'll kind of keep our pride and, you know, we'll do it like the world does, because that's what society teaches us, right? And so the challenge here is, do we worship the idol like everybody else is? Or do we focus on God? Second challenge, the first, that was society's challenge. But the second one is the system, the systems that are at the base of society, like in verses uh, 8 through 15, uh, <laughs> you see that, the society, like the king has set this thing up and the whole society's down for it. And you see some astrologers, that's the people that do the signs and, you know, all the stars and all that stuff. So for all of your astrological sign people, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They denounced the people of God. Well, why? Because their beliefs are incompatible with those who follow the true God. And so they wanted to shine a light on them. Um, so at this time, some astrologers came forward and said, and they went to the king and basically said, look, you said this, all of us is doing what you said, but you got some people that you put in power in Babylon, some Jews, and they not doing what they supposed to do. They not worshiping the way that we worship. They not worshiping what you told us to worship. And so he then calls them down and then challenges them. The king himself challenges them and says, if you're ready, like when you hear it, if you're ready to do what I do, fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you'll be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand. The systems of the world are built and designed to support belief in and worship of the world. And so the question is, do we submit in the face of challenge and difficulty to the systems of the world, or do we stand up for our faith? The system of the world, the system of relationship and sexuality, the systems, the governmental systems themselves, the way the politics works, where, you know, how divisive they are and how they, you know, cannibalistic they are. The church politics that we've seen manifest over the, if you pay attention to that kind of thing, that uh, we've seen uh, manifest over the last year. Like the systems themselves have, are challenging us to either stand, submit to them, submit to the way the system works, the clicks work, the laws work, the, you know, submit to how they program us, or do we stand with the Lord? Last thing is the self-challenge. Because once you have identified that society and its systems want you to behave a certain way, now it's up to you. It's up to me. Now it's up to me. Ernest, are you going to do it the world's way? Are you going to do it the system's way? Are you going to do it society's way? The challenge is within myself. It's the self-challenge. And so in verses 16 through 8, we see um, these three Hebrew men answer the question of do we function in fear? 
or in faith. The threat has been made. Do we function in fear or in faith? And so in verse 16, I'm going to read, I'm going to reread what they said. They said, King Nebuchadnezzar, they didn't disrespect him. They called him king. We do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. They didn't even mount a defense. Okay. Didn't even try to be justified. What they said is this. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Do we function in perfected, mature devotion and love, benevolent affection for God that refuses to bow to another God, refuses to compromise with an idol, refuses to compromise with society? Can we function in faith over fear when consequences have already been outlined for us if we don't? If we don't fall in line, if we don't do it the way they want to do it, if we just continue along the pattern? Society, systems, and self challenge. But if we look at what these three Hebrew men did, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we can see that they were perfected in love. They were confident in their relationship with God, in the ability of their God. And even if he chose not to rescue them, they were confident in who their God was. So much so that saying, if he doesn't rescue us, if he doesn't save us from the penalty, we still not going to do it y'all way. We're going to do it. Yah's way. And so we're perfected in love. We'll stand against anything that fear tries to contaminate, tries to contaminate. When we're perfected in love, we'll stand against anything that fear tries to contaminate. Had to get at a second try. And as I look at this text and even continuing with the story, what I want us to understand is that God is paving a way for us to be perfected in love in 2021. We had a difficult year in 2020, but it allowed us to see ourselves in a new light. It allowed us to look beyond our perceived invincibility. It allowed us to see some cracks in America's armor that we may not have seen before. It allowed us to become conscious of some issues and some problems around us and within us. It gave us a chance. And now God has given us a chance. God is paving the way for us to be perfected in love, made whole, made mature, made perfect in a love that will cast out all fear, that will empower us in 2021, because where they face real fire, because in verses 19 through 23, it shows that uh, the king, King Nebuchadnezzar is angry and has them that, you know, fans up the flames of the furnace super hot and has them thrown in there. So we will face fires. They face the real fire, physical fire that was designed to kill them in a furnace. We will face fire. We will face the heat. We'll face difficulty. We'll face challenge. But when we are perfected in love, when we uh, allow the maturity of, of agape to take hold in us, then we'll find that we're not alone. In verses 24 and 25, it states, then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking 
around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. What many people believe here is this is a pre-incarnate Christ, that it is the Lord God, Jesus the Christ, come to be with them before his physical incarnation, that they were with the Lord in there, that when they went into the fire by faith because of their love and devotion, because of their agape, that God did stand with them, that God did rescue them. We'll find that we're not alone. But not only that, we'll see that our faith is vindicated. If you look in verses 26 and 27, you see that Nebuchadnezzar noticed that there were four, but Nebuchadnezzar, 26, Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched and there was no smell of fire on them. That being perfected in love paves the way for us to move into areas where our faith and our faithfulness will be vindicated in the eyes of non-believers, in the eyes of people that doubt, in the eyes of people that don't believe that God can do it, don't believe that God will do it, think that their system or this society has the answers our walk by faith and not by sight, our agape commitment to the Lord will benefit. It will manifest. He will vindicate us. He will fight our battles. We'll see our faith vindicated. And then the last thing I want to point out is that we will produce fruit like never before. God is paving the way for us as believers. He's paving the way for me as Ernest Allman. He's paving the way for all of us as Higher Definition Church online and the physical location in Jacksonville. He's paving a way for us to produce fruit like never before, to receive promotion um, and influence, promotion in position, promotion and impact for the kingdom of God. And, and you see that happen in verses 28 through 30. Um, Nebuchadnezzar gave praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because of, because God showed up on their behalf. And then he bigged up their faith. They trusted in him and they defied the, the king. He's speaking about himself. The king's commander were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble for no other God can save in this way. Then the last part, verse 30. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Their faithfulness changed the esteem of the name of the Lord in the whole kingdom of Babylon, the whole province of Babylon. And they received promotion to have more influence for them and themselves as faithful, God-loving, God-fearing men in the province filled by people that didn't believe in the same God. I believe that just as they were able to be promoted by faith, in faith, for faith, we can do the same thing. 
We're primed in position to do the same thing. We've got a new physical location. We're about to start fasting and praying for consecration. We have many of you that have been faithfully tithing and offering. Many of you have been coming together to serve with us whenever we've been calling on you. Pray with us whenever we've been calling on you. Showing up to whatever it is that we do. Several of us. And it doesn't take a million to do what God has called us to do. All it takes is enough people to spark the fire of faith so that when we encounter the fire of the world, that we know the Lord is with us. The Lord is with us. The Lord loves us. God is love and there's no fear in love. Let's give God some praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I feel charged up. I feel excited about the possibilities. I feel excited about what can happen in 2021. I feel excited about what will happen, how God is going to move us down the road that he's paved for us. And so I know that this is not a me thing. This is a we thing. It's an Ernest and Aaron and Samia and Ethan and everybody else that counts themselves part of the HD family. It's every single one of us. I don't care what you've been, what your status has been in the past. If you consider yourself part of the HD family, then you're part of the HD family. And so I'm going to ask you as part of our family to make a spiritual commitment with me today. The first thing is this, the, there's a couple of steps to this. So the first thing is if you believe Jesus is Lord, will you say so? Will you say so? Not, not to me, not to me. Well, yeah, yeah, to me. I want you to, I want, I want to see it in the comments. Just say, Jesus is Lord. What does that mean? That Jesus Christ came as God in the flesh, was crucified and raised, and he is the Lord. All of our sins are forgiven because of what he did. And he is the only way to connect to the true and living God. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, Emmanuel, God with us. If you believe Jesus is Lord, will you say so? Not well, here, yes, but also in the world around you, will you just post, Jesus is Lord. There is no fear in love. And tag Higher Definition Church. If you're on Instagram, tag Higher Def Church. Will you make the statement? Will you say it for real? That Jesus is Lord. There is no fear in love. Higher Definition Church. Higher Def Church. Can we show some agreement and power in unity that we believe Jesus is Lord. That's one. Second challenge is this. Will you connect with us so we can walk together in this whole thing? There's a couple of ways you can connect with us. Number one, there's a link that's scrolling down here. Um, screenshot it. Check it out. Uh, give, you'll share your email and probably your phone number with us. Um, so that we can email you and keep you updated on fasting and praying and our service and whatever else that we're doing. You can also join us on our Facebook group. If you're on Facebook, you may be watching this on YouTube, but if you're in fa on Facebook, you can join our Facebook group and you'll stay up to date on all the stuff that we have going on so that we can really walk together in this thing. This is the last challenge. Today's January. Well, you'll be watching this at the earliest January 3rd. Will you consecrate with us? From January 3rd to February 7th, we'll be 
I think that's it, February 7th, that Sunday, we'll be consecrating. What does that mean? We're fasting and praying. Uh, we do this every year at the beginning of the year. My personal fast is a little bit more, just a little bit more severe than what I what I ask everybody else to do. My fast um, is that I'm, I'm posting your fast and it's posted on our social media. But my fast is that the first week starting Excuse me. After our, we have a meal today is that I won't eat it. I won't eat anything. No solid food uh, from now until the next Sunday for a week. Then after that, I'll join in with you all. Just fruits and vegetables for the second week. And in the third week, all Daniel. So whole like plant completely plant based. Basically, it has to grow out of the earth <laughs> in order for it to be part of our meals. Um, that last three weeks. That's the that's the practical part. Turning down our plates, saying no to our flesh to say yes to God, using time and energy we would be using to prepare food and eat food and blah blah blah, in order to rededicate ourselves to pray to to come together in calls and fellowship so that we can strengthen ourselves in the Lord to take something and, and write down some faith goals and. And I, I'll talk about this more throughout the week, but just take some faith goals. Uh, you want to read the Bible this year? I've already sent out some plans on social media that you can use. You want to um, get your prayer life together. There's an app I can recommend you. Uh, there, there's all types of ways to develop yourself spiritually and all types of things we need God to do in our lives. While you're fasting and praying, you can be speaking to God about those things and he'll be speaking to you about you. And so those are the things, you know, if you believe Jesus is Lord, say so in our company, but also in your company. Um, connect with us so we can walk together and consecrate with us. If you're a member of HD Church, if you're a member of High Definition Church, please consecrate with us. There's so many ways that you can gauge maturity of the body of Christ, a maturity in a local church. And it's not age. It's unity. Does everyone come together to give? Does everyone come together to serve? Does everyone come together to fast and pray? Does everyone come together when it's God stuff? And so if you're a member of HD Church, if you consider yourself a member of HD Church, we'll, we'll start online membership courses um, soon and very soon. But um, in the meantime, you consider yourself family, church family. Consecrate with us. Do this thing for real. Do this thing for real. I'm going to pray. Then I'm going to close out. I feel incredibly encouraged about what God is doing. One plug, I just it just came to me when I said incredibly encouraged because I have a lyric saying I'm incredibly blessed. One of the things that I have been afraid of and nervous about is uh, really committing to release the music that God brings to me. Because I tell you, when I tell you I have hundreds of songs that I never released throughout the 20 years I've, I've been rapping, it's not a lie. <laughs> and it doesn't make any sense. It's all been insecurity and fear. And so one of the things I committed to in August was that I would release a verse every day for the month of August. My birthday is on August 31st. Um, and so that was a trial run. <laughs> I did it on a new Instagram profile and I just left it there. It's just there. It's still there. The rapping pastor. But uh, I, on the first day of the year, I released a new song called Forever. I encourage you to listen, listen to it. Spitlife.bandcamp.com. 
uh, or Spit Life on the Bandcamp app. app. Um, but I will continue functioning in perfected and increasingly perfected love rather than insecurity and continue sharing this music. And I invite you to listen to it as well. Uh, and so I had to say that the Lord pressed it upon me. Um, I'm going to pray. All right, let's pray. Lord God, I want to thank you and praise you for the beginning of this year. Lord, you didn't have to choose us to be here at this point, but my God, you did. You have shown your faithfulness and your favor to us as a church and in our own households, Lord. We have seen people and we have gone, we've seen people um, go through and we've, we've gone through, Lord, but you have protected us, preserved us and prepared us for what 2021 holds. You've prepared us to enter into this new physical location. You've prepared us to handle an online church campus. You've prepared us to grow it and grow our leaders and grow our leadership. You've prepared us to grow our spiritual and practical impact in the community. You've prepared us to walk the path that you're paving for us. You've prepared us to be saved in public and not just in private. You've prepared us to be bold in our faith. You've prepared us to, to go to the altar. You've prepared us to lay it all on the line. You have prepared us to be a church that is with distinction in the body of Christ and in the community that we serve, Lord. You've prepared us. And so, Lord, this year, let us walk out the entirety of our call in perfected love. And Lord, bless us each, perfect us each, strengthen us each so that we will be more of who you've actually created us to be. In Jesus' name, bless you and pray. All God's people say, amen.